So welcome to the Project Plenty podcast series, where we ask the question, what will 2030 look like? And we'll ask that question across a range of topics important to Queensland and to our church. It's a series of conversations that will help us enter into a whole of church discernment and planning exercise that we hope might give shape to our life in the next decade. Over the course of this series, we'll invite our guests to reflect on this question, what 2030 looks like from their perspective and ask what role the Uniting Church could play as this future approaches. My name's Scott Guyatt, and I'm glad that you can join us. Joining me on uh, this week's episode of the Project Plenty podcast, Reverend Paul Clark. Paul's the minister at Redcliffe Uniting Church. Paul, thanks for joining me today. Great to be here. Give me the 20 words or less kind of version <laughs> of, like, what is Redcliffe Uniting Church? What kind of church is it? Um, yeah, 20 words. Yuck. Uh, well, it's a regional church, um, around 150, 180 in worship and one main worship service, service and a couple of others. But because of that, we, we're actually quite broad in, in the age range, in the theological range, in the culture. We have some like 16, 18 different um, nationalities that worship with us. It's okay. predominantly though white Anglo, yeah. um, but we're working on how do we, you know, bring that ethnicity out. Yeah. It's recovering from a split fif- oh, okay. 15 years ago. So, so we, in terms of, a f- of a 15 years, that but that's still a really kind of present sort of thing. It, it's amazing. When I was being interviewed for the church, I said, if the church was a person, how would you describe them in their life stage? Yeah, okay. And they actually Good said, question. we've been through a divorce. We've been healing, but we're ready to date again. And I thought that was actually very <laughs> profound. The, the depth of trauma from a split yeah. is amazing. And these days, probably 30% of the congregation remember that. So yeah. we've moved on a long way. But Peter Armstrong had to work hard and did a fabulous job getting him through the trauma. Yeah. And like when I arrived, they were ready to date again. But there were still echoes of mistrust and... But also the demographics of the congregation had been completely shattered and that 70% of the congregation were in their 70s. Okay. So to be to call ourselves intergenerational now, um, we're still a little bit retired heavy, which is not a bad thing, but it's taken a long time to, to discover that. And the, the other word I'd say is we're really community engaged okay. and a generous church and we have this phrase at the heart of the peninsula, which I suppose tries to sum up who we're trying to be. So talk to me then about that about the community. What's what is Redcliffe? Like for those who don't know Redcliffe, like what is yeah, yeah. what is Redcliffe? Well, Redcliffe is a peninsula. It's almost an island, and okay. because of that, it is its own community. Yeah. It was its own city for many, many years until um, the council amalgamation, I think, you know, ten years ago. Yeah. So sixty thousand people on the peninsula. It gives the impression of being rich because you've got beaches and Scarborough. Yeah, yeah. hundred years ago, it was competing with Gold Coast to be the, the holiday capital. But it's actually got a whole lot of, you know, what do we say? It's um, got your channels, but then housing commission, yeah. lots of housing commission. So it's got lower than average income and education high levels of divorce, drug use, disadvantage, family violence. So it's a bit deceptive. You go out there yeah. and think, wow, this is a lovely place. Yeah. 
but there's a lot of hidden yeah. poverty and disadvantage. But at the same time, it's a very strong community because it it almost is an island. Yeah. It's lots of people. I mean, I don't necessarily go off the peninsula that often coming to the city um so so as a church yeah there's good mission for us uh yeah there's something particular about geography that defines communities in some ways Mm. in a place like that the other place i think of often is um, somewhere like balimba you know that's kind of captured in a in a almost a peninsula in the brisbane river yeah that's right Um, you know, and, and any community that's defined by some geographic boundaries tends to take on that really particular sort of feel. Yeah, I love it because I'm a country boy <laughs> at yeah, heart. Okay. Um, and ministering in those sorts of communities, you know who your community yeah. are, you know who your schools are, you know where your reach is. Yeah. The fact that we've got one uniting church on a peninsula of 60,000 is brilliant and it's yeah. because of some really serious and hard decisions by people in the past. Um yeah, whereas, you know, there's now something like six AOG congregations yeah, okay. on the peninsula. So so you talked then about being a community-oriented church. So what, what does, how do those aspects of community that you've just described impact on, you know, who you are as a church or vice versa? You know, so what difference does it make that you're in Redcliffe okay. to who you are? So historically, they've actually had, because we haven't had a lot of, um, you know, the education standard there is a little lower, they haven't had... A long history of strong leadership and I okay. happened to know the, the old Bulimba minister and he said you know so many executives and yes. uh, and yeah. etc and they would have meetings and they're used to paying someone to do something yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the Redcliffe history uh, you didn't have necessarily people with degrees um, you do you've always got a few yes. and I suppose that's changing now the um, the demographics of Redcliffe is there's a regentrification yeah. it's closer to the city now even though yeah, you know, yeah. it's not um, but it's becoming a desirable place it is to live in a sense petri university is opening up and that's 15 minutes on the train mm, I did not know that. yes yeah. so, yep. so we're really expecting that's going to um one help the you know young adults to stay yeah uh, but to bring in that academic yeah, um yeah. people because if Petrie University, where do I want to live? Yeah. Oh, gee, on Redcliffe, I can ride my bike Absolutely. Um, to, to yeah. work. So we think that's going You're to enhance it, it. I think I'm going oh, to move there. And already, um, one of the things about the hub, which we'll talk about later, is that we've had just some really gifted people move in at yeah. the right time. It's one of those God timing things yeah. um, that you're going, Would, could we have done this previously? What do you what do you love about Redcliffe United? Like, you, how long have you been there? I mean, um, let me go back a step. Yeah, yeah. Talk about your role. How long have you been there? So I'm the lead minister. Of, yeah. We've got a team of six. It's probably three full time equivalents. Okay. Um, what, what sorts of roles are those? Okay, so there's myself as as the the, the main minister. I've got yeah. Paddy Marlin, who's excellent. And he does pastoral care. He's sort okay. of half time. Yeah. Uh, we, my wife is half time as the children and family. She runs play group. I've got um, a couple of administrators who are sharing some roles um, and uh, we've got a new guy who's come on this year, Fritz, uh, who's our youth worker. He's actually generations pastor. We're expanding his role um, and a cleaner. So So that's part of the beauty of being, I guess, a regional church that you talked about before, that you have some capacity around a staff team like that. Yes, yes. So when I arrived, it was just myself and and Robin um, and so we've had been blessed with growth that's allowed us to do that um but yeah being in teams very nice and we've just got 
good team. We get on well together. We don't have egos battling for the the chief spot and all this. So, yeah, I, I call myself the chief of sinners there. <laughs> um, and someone else had this phrase, and I thought it was good, the chief Sherpa. Uh, yeah, okay. Vision holder saying, well, where are we going and, and trying to take us there? Yeah. What do you love about it? I... I, I like I said, I love that it's its own community yeah. um, because you know who your politicians are, you know who your yeah. council are, you know where your boundaries are, where your schools are. So I love that about um, the community. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, and the church, I love that it's one church in the whole area um, and that they have got this, this legacy of being community-minded, yeah. being generous. Um, so, yeah. That just plays out uh, in the life of the congregation. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the themes that has emerged lots, uh, or oh, lots, what great language that was. One of the themes <laughs> that has emerged lots. One of the themes that we've heard a lot about over the Project Plenty kind of consultation phase has been um, about discipleship as core business for the church and this, in a sense, a call back to the core business of discipleship. I'm interested in, you know, for you guys at Redcliffe, what does this word discipleship mean? Like, how do you go about growing disciples, equipping yeah. disciples? What What's the discipleship kind of journey? There's a word yeah. uh, for Redcliffe. And I think it's something that we've always said we can do better. And that's in getting a generation's pastor. We're really trying to put some effort into how do we do our discipleship better now that's that's an initial answer to say oh, i don't think we're the experts um but we have a number of strong home groups bible studies yeah. that have been operating yeah. and i suppose over my eight years i've really taken the big picture approach to discipleship i was a school teacher and i worked out you know school teaching okay where do i want the class to be at the end of the year yeah, what do yeah. i want them to yeah. know and so that's i suppose the approach i've taken through the preaching um yeah. and associated uh things that go along with that we try and have a couple of bible studies whole of church bible studies or lent studies that feed into that so we don't follow the lectionary very much at all but rather we're asking where do we want um to to go and I mean, one of the things that's really shaped us the last couple of years as we're thinking about this hub is that we realised very early on that while it sounds like a building project, it's not a building project, it's a becoming project. That yeah. we realised uh, to make this hub, and um, we'll talk about it later, yeah. a reality, we had to ask the question, who do we have to be as a congregation yeah. uh, to make it work? And we used to have gather grow go which was gather to worship yeah. grow together and then yeah. go into the world which which was fine but we reshaped that and this was from reading i'd done the scriptures and just thinking how do we need to tweak that if we're going to be a community services center and we've taken this idea and so that's then um as i was talking to someone the other day just as every brick has to be put in place we have to put these values in place as we go and put as much effort into that. And so uh, these are the five words, welcome, experience, belong, believe and become. That when people come, we want them to have a warm welcome. Yeah. Um, we want them then to have an experience of God that makes them want to come back 
an experience that makes them want to come back. We want them to know they belong long before they believe the right things. They belong to this community. And if you're thinking about strangers coming onto your property, they've had a warm welcome, they've had an experience that makes them go, well, there's something going on here. Yeah. Yeah. And they think, this is my community before they believe. And the next one then is to begin to believe. well, I mean, the best about themselves, but yeah. and that for me, that would be understanding their place with God and then becoming all that they could become. And that progression is really important because we usually do that the opposite yeah. way in churches. Yeah. It's if you believe the right things yeah. and you behave the right way, you've, yeah. you've become, then we'll let you belong. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> then you can have all the experiences and you'll yeah. get the welcome yeah. and you see it acted out lived out on sunday mornings if you have a baptism family there everyone stands off and says well if they come back then we might talk to them um and so we've really been um Hmm. pushing that and and if you look at scriptures when you suddenly look at scriptures you realize this is what jesus did jesus he welcomed the disciples he said hey come follow me he didn't ask them what they believed come follow me gave them these profound experiences that made them go, who is this guy? Then he let them know they belonged by choosing, well, you you, you guys are my 12 disciples. That comes along after they've had some experiences. And it's not till you know, Mark chapter 8 that he says, well, hang on a sec, what do you believe about me? Yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit down the track. And, and even the becoming doesn't fully take place. And I mean, it's forever ongoing, uh, yeah. but around the, the resurrection and Peter's, you know, denial and... and coming back and then the P- Pentecost experience. So you suddenly realize, actually, this is the way it is in scripture. Yeah. Whereas we flip it on its head. When when people, we, we've got to get them to believe. And this is how yeah, evangelism yeah. happens. If I can get down there and get them to believe, then they'll join us yeah. and, and come. So we've been really pushing that. And one of my smart people in my congregation realized, and this is what the research says, if you do the welcome and the experience well and the belonging, then people will start to ask themselves, what do these people believe? And they'll actually go on their own journey. And of course, you offer ways for people to discover that through Bible studies or or classes. Um, But if people feel like they belong, then they ask the believing questions and they start to become. So one of my smart people said, let's, that's uh, five words is hard. Let's just ask this question. How'd we do? Capital W-E, how'd we do? Which is, question to ask after every event how do we do with the w the welcome and the experience and because it's we it's also saying how do we do helping them feel like they were part of the we and i thought wow that's brilliant so we're putting that up we're doing that there's a book yeah we should (laughs) speaking to her yeah yeah um so we've been doing things before the service for a while now just to because people say i've been in this church for years but i don't know who they are and we're saying we want people to be belong we don't even know who we are so we had musical chairs on sunday got people to sit in different places we worked up to that so it wasn't a, a sudden um, thing yeah yeah it Ooh. worked well because we with fritz my youth where he's brilliant um yep. we worked up to it and yep. said okay this is what we're going to do and people came out and said i sat next to four people i'd never met before wow. um and cool. you know even though they've been in this church for, for ages yep. so how do we do when we run movie nights, when we run other things? How do we do? How was our welcome? Did we give people an experience of God that'll make them want to come back? And, and would people start to say, we could be part of this? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's 
a broad yeah. broad picture of discipleship we want to get better then at what's the more I don't know what you call in-depth discipleship journey yeah. for people yeah, yeah. It, um, you remind me of a couple of things well first I mean my first observation is that the beautiful thing about that approach of you know the welcome the experience the belong um, is that that doesn't demand a huge resource of a big regional church I mean that like any faith community of any size can take that as its approach yes, its orientation absolutely um, so it doesn't need to be a staff of six and you know 300 people or whatever it is that's like right that's a home group can you know have that as its as its kind of orientation yeah absolutely um, and the other thing that that we realized when I was thinking about this and preparing it all as in this welcome experience mm. we focus on evangelism that is go out and stand on the street corner um, and it's very confronting it's yeah. very and people are scared to death of it and don't Absolutely. do it yeah. um, we have this picture of this is what an evangelist is you know standing in a stadium or standing on a street corner going up and buttonholing people and so it ends up we don't no one does evangelism there are gifted people who can do that yes. and most of us can't everyone can do welcome experience yeah. belong yeah. and it actually gives people to gives people permission yeah. to be part of that evangelism experience and gives them an easy seamless way to do it and you can still have your yeah. people who are then the closers. I know what you call them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, finish. I, I, the other thing you remind me is that hospitality is fundamentally is fundamental and central to mission. Like you, you almost cannot imagine uh, like a conversation about mission in which some sense of hospitality is not expressed, mm, and mm. that's kind of right there in in your um, in that kind of model. Um, now you've twice mentioned the hub, yes, um, and I don't know what the hub is. So <laughs> let's let's unpack that a little bit. What is this? What is this hub that you speak of? Uh, what's what's the go? What's the dream? Yep. Where's it heading? Where's it up to? And it's it's a it's a forty year story. Um, I, I can I can talk about this. This is going to be the long. longest episode of this podcast. I know you might have to have two. Um, <laughs> so forty years ago, after Union, um, some years after Union, there were eight congregations on the peninsula eight, oh, okay. uh, eight uniting churches and um, they made the decision 40 years ago we need to do something about this we need to sell all these buildings and have one yeah. um, and it took them 10 years mm. you can you can imagine yeah. um, now there were three sort of main congregations and a, a bunch of little ones that sometimes you know might have had 12 people but yeah. the history and the story yeah. in those little places was it matters too. yeah it does yeah. matter and so and I know about three or four years in, they took a bit of a straw poll because they'd been saying, yes, we want to do this, yes, we want to do this. And it was 70% against it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, how did they manage it? How yeah. did they manage it? They had some good leadership. And they, at that point when they had 70% against it, it was kind of like, oh, can't we just keep it as it is? <laughs> they brought in a, um, a presbytery expert. I think it was Seth Slosh. Um, yeah. I, ho I hope I've got that uh, right. And he helped then, I suppose, to give it more impetus. Um, but it took them another seven years to sell off the property. The miracle of how they bought what they did. So Redcliffe, if you had a map of Redcliffe, the Uniting Church is right in the centre, the geographical yeah, okay. centre. And they picked so up this... So when you talk about at the heart of the peninsula. It, it, yeah. That's right. It's geographically true. Yeah. Um, 
they had seen that piece of land. It was you know before houses were built around, and they tried sort of three times to buy it. It had three brothers who owned it, and at no stage did all three want to sell. And just when they were going to go and build a North Redcliffe and a South Redcliffe, they decided that's it's the compromise. Yeah. They got a call from the brothers saying we're ready to go, and so they bought this fabulous piece of land right in the geographical centre, and they built this um, well thought out resourced building that has expandable walls etc 1990 it opened so 10 years after the 1980 vision um, and the vision was to be a 24 7 church with counseling and and yeah. uh, lots of community engagement and and that was going fine they had they were one of the key places that had care force recovery they'd actually helped develop those courses yeah. So they had, you know, divorce recovery courses, all sorts of things. And unfortunately, in the early 20s, 2000s, they had a, a split, yeah. you know, debates around sexuality, although it wasn't really sexuality. Um, and so that, you know, that really kicked it in the guts yeah, uh, yeah. and the trauma of that. So like I said, by the time I arrived in 2012, I think, um, they were ready to date again. And yeah. um, so... I just in spending my first couple of months there, I could see the history and yeah. what they had. That that's where we took this phrase at the heart of the peninsula. It was really saying we want to capture again uh, what the legacy is of this place. Uh, and like I said, we we really focused on being intergenerational and bringing new life back into the congregation. And my personality, my history is that Christian faith it should be engaged in the community. So yeah. um, I helped lead the congregation back out. Not that they'd forgotten that, yeah. but to take it again, make it a strength. So to a stage now where, you know, two years ago we did a survey. We have, so 150 to 200 in worship on a weekend. Mm -hmm. Across a whole week, 800 people are using our facility. Yeah. And so 60 to 70% are not from the church. Yeah. So we have five days of play group now. We've got Uniting Care who co-locate with us and they have services. We have a legal service. We have the Department of Community Services. They come and do uh, visiting, uh, foster visits, access visits. Um, so we're already bubbling yeah. and, and busting. My, the neighbor came over not that long ago and said, it's so good to see this church come alive, cars here every day of the week. Things That's good. Are, things I thought you were going on. to say you came over and said, enough. I know, I know. Can't you just I know. be here on Sundays? Our, our, neighbors, our neighbors, by and large, have been really, really good. And um, this yeah. guy, he's a, a Christian in another denomination. Okay. So he's he, we've got chickens out the back. And we thought <laughs> this is going to annoy the neighbors. No roosters. But he goes, I grew up on a farm. It's so nice to have those sounds. And you're going, well, yes, good on you, God. Perfect Thanks neighbor. for good neighbors. Perfect yeah. neighbor. Um, and so... It became natural. United Care were saying, we need more space. Mm. They're, they're running out of space. We were starting to say, we're running out of space. Mm. What can we do? And in talking with them, talking with other community agencies, um, the hub is building space for like-minded community service groups to come and join us in life transformation. So it's, it's building two new buildings, 800 square meters, I think it is at the moment, um, that we won't go in yeah. as a church. Yeah. We don't. We've got an auditorium that's big enough. Yeah. Uh, we don't need that sort of space. Yeah. The idea is Uniting Care, Mental Health Services, yeah. Relationships Australia, yeah. um, Disability Services would would come into that space, 
and it becomes a hub in our community for community service providers because yeah. that was one of the things Redcliffe does not have that sort of space yeah. uh, and we're not big enough for other people to do it yeah. at the moment you have to go to Chermside or Caboolture for a lot of services yeah. we got some services yeah. but United Care they say well we can't put enough to justify building something yeah. but if you provide space we'll yeah. we'll, we'll use yeah. it in a partnership we could be there yeah, yeah yeah and so and that is also the preferred model that's going on around uh, community service space because you can imagine someone comes to a service they might bring their partner or their family they go oh, we can help you with this and they go oh well you, you really need to go and see these guys out at Kabucha or yeah. go to Chermside for this yeah. and a lot of the follow-through doesn't happen if you haven't got a car which yeah. Yeah. you know you're relying on public yeah. transport so having one space where people come and they go hey let me take you to Rachel yeah. she can yeah. do this and oh I'll take you to Tony they do this um, and we, that's already happening because United and Care partner with us. They have a CAPS program, Children and Parenting program, uh, that just as we were going to five days of play group, United and Care put a CAPS program in there, unbeknownst to us. And we have a shared morning tea once a month. And I said to the new person, what do you do? Oh, I work for CAPS. We're trying to do preventative health with young families to stop them f falling into you know all the dysfunctions. And we're going, we're just about to start five days of play group. And they're like, wow you've just made our life easy because <laughs> they they come in and yeah. provide parenting courses yeah. uh, they're just on the spot getting to know the parents yeah. and although playgroups look like a bunch of yummy mummies having coffee scratch under the surface and you see they're they're all broken they've all yeah. got their own issues and so they get to start talking to these uniting care staff and they go well actually we can provide pre some free counseling free um classes on how to get your kids to sleep just yeah. free sessions on that so they're wrapped because usually they get clients coming after the trial you know when it's yeah. too late yeah. whereas this is we're getting clients coming before the yeah. problems are endemic yeah. um, and uh, they have a play group because a lot of people who need support what they need is a community yes. and so say so not only do they get counseling here but they've got a playgroup community that supports them that's got some healthy people yeah. speaking into their lives so th that's already happening we yeah. want to multiply that times yeah. three yeah. Uh, and, and space enables that space enables that and part of what we're building becomes a, a courtyard uh, with a cafe yeah. which will be run by a disability service so it's training people in yeah. Uh, yeah. with disabilities to become self-sufficient in that industry so that the the cafe becomes that meeting area where yeah. people cross over and go well what's this thing that the church yeah. is running or what's yeah. that thing that the the hubs um, the hubs running um, so yeah that's the the big long story that's about the, it yeah yeah <laughs> and it's gone to DA a development application with the council mm -hmm. So it's been a long process, yeah. feasibility studies, yeah. talking to all the right people. If everything falls in place, we'll be turning the sod in September 2020. Okay. So it's still, yeah, still a, a while, while ago. Yeah. Um, and the opening would be June 2021. Yeah. So yeah. it's a long journey. Yeah. Um, we've, we're preaching on Moses and the Israelites, um, <laughs> and it feels like that. <laughs> 40 years. Yes. I mean, there's a couple of things there that that I that I that I want to kind of notice and see, you know, catch catch your view on this. One of them is that I really like that in a sense you've gone back to the history of the place mm. to find out what 
what you know what were some of the the long held dreams and visions for the place and that's another thing that we could do just about anywhere you know in mm. like in our communities we we can actually go back into our past story and say what led us to be here in the first place or what have been some of the dreams that have been held for a long time and maybe we haven't quite got there but scratch under the surface and they're, they're still kind of there and and i think you you're probably often amazed the stories of how congregations ca- came together and often the yeah. sacrifice that people yeah. made um, up yeah. in air where i was people you know three farmers bought the house next to the church to start the blue nursing service you know they yeah. personally bought that yeah. um that block of land and you think wow where's yeah. that Extraordinary levels stories. of sacrifices yeah, yeah. today um yeah. and and yeah and and of course definitely don't cookie cutter what we're doing because what we're doing is because of that history because of our geography because of those relationships we've developed if we could have just been out the congregation without the community connections and said let's do a community hub and it and it wouldn't have worked because you have to have those those connections and i know many churches in brisbane just geographically don't have the space And so it is saying, okay, well, yeah. who who are it's we exactly? Of, yeah. yeah, who are we? What do we have here at the moment? How do we leverage that? Multiply yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you the impossible question, but you know, cast your mind forward ten years. Um, you know, if Redcliffe is at its best, what does what does twenty thirty look like for Redcliffe United Church and and the community? Yeah, I hate these questions. Um, <laughs> That's why I ask them yeah, and don't yeah. answer them. Because a lot of it, you sort of go, I just don't know what the societal shifts are going to yeah. be, do you? Um, yep. How much is technology going to impact? And we're yeah. trying to factor some of that into, um, you know, do we need a landing bay for the um, drones? Yes. Um, how will, what are they called? Um, driverless cars. Yep. Um, yep. With, I had my first ride in a Tesla on the weekend. Oh, okay. Uh, and the driver turned on the autopilot and proceeded Let to go. fold his arms and the car just drove us along the highway. And uh, you know, just for a short time. Yeah. But I was going like 20, 10, 20 years from now. This is you get in the car, tell it where you want to go, and you yes. can be straight back onto Facebook. You don't have to watch <laughs> the road at right. all. Is this going to work? Yeah. Um, and also, how far down the what I call the blind alley of um, sort of secularism, hard secularism, I'd call mm. it, mm. are we going to go? Um, and that'll shape where the church will be and in yeah. fact the hub is is a reaction um i think a positive reaction to those challenges and i'll put i'll put back in that context because i know when the world is increasingly growing um, disengaged suspicious um, sometimes antagonistic towards the church i think some of the you know natural reaction is to sort of build a wall around ourselves protect ourselves yeah. and and i know that's part of, I suppose, what I've seen in my congregation um, to when we're having debates about same-sex marriage. And and I get it. It's totally overwhelming. It, yeah. for, for most people over, you know, 60 or um, just to have contemplated that that could happen. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not because they're, they're, they're bigots or anything. It's just beyond comprehension for them um so to make sense of that world is is difficult and in some ways it's easy to pull the blanket over and just say can we have our own little safe community and so i've had to say i know that that's how you we feel and i feel like that sometimes 
but the better way when the, the mainstream media is mainly giving negative messages about the church and some yeah. of that's our own fault yeah. um, the best place for us to be is actually alongside our community rubbing shoulders so that and this is what we have happen people go okay well the church might be like this but this church isn't you yeah. know, and yeah. my church isn't you know yeah. before they're yeah. even coming part of that and yeah. so that's where I'm when when um, people are saying oh look at the world we've got I'm saying that's what the hub is about the hub yeah. is about saying we're going to be right smack bang rubbing shoulders having coffee um, doing ministry together with with the world um, and if our gospel has any power anything good in it it will make a difference and people will go there's something here and we want to be part of that so yeah. for me looking 30 years i'd be hoping that we are we are definitely a community partnered church mm. there's a blurred line between the church and the community where we are and it's natural for the people who are in the life of redcliffe uniting to be facing outwards and for others to be journeying inwards um, into the life of the church. And I'd hope that if we're not planting other congregations with that kind of DNA, that we're strengthening other congregations mm. with that DNA. Okay. I, I sense a responsibility in Redcliffe. We are, you know, not only do we have one staff member, we've got you know, yeah. six staff members, yeah. whereas most of the uniting churches within a so far... Yeah. They're lucky if they've got a full-time minister. Yeah, yeah. And I suddenly realized that recently and thought, wow, yeah. what does that mean for us who have had the strength to survive the, the, the choppiness of yeah, the world? Yeah. How do we then strengthen yeah. others? What's what we give to others? Mm. So it seems to me there's a really interesting, and I think we probably need to, we probably need to wrap up or we'll yeah, just keep going all day, but there's a really <laughs> interesting combination there of of looking back to your past to kind of you know gather some of that that history and that passion that was there of paying really close attention to your local context to the particularities of Redcliffe mm. um, you know and, and to kind of give expression to the in a sense the mission of God in in that particular place but also paying attention to the broader you just talked there about paying attention to some of the broader context some of the broader shifts and sweeps that are going on in our society yes yes so you, you've kind of got you know that that interesting combination of those three things um, and i'm hearing in the story yeah absolutely and i think um we had an innovation workshop i can't remember if you were part of that that was peter armstrong etc yeah. and, yeah. and i walked away from that thinking in some ways innovation is a scary word for a lot of people but it's as simple as going out into the world building some relationships with people mm. asking what do you guys need yeah. and then coming back as a church and going let's do whatever we can to help them meet that need because that's where innovation happens if if i went to the school in home hill and went to the principal there and said oh what what amazing thing can we do together as the church um young idealistic minister and uh she said fix the religious instruction yeah. <laughs> and it was so disappointing for me because i'm looking for something Some wow yeah, yeah. et cetera et cetera um and because religious instruction was falling apart there it was still done in sort of greek orthodox catholic uniting yeah. anglican um so kids were going everywhere and nowhere half yeah. the kids were just wagging class etc mm -hmm. so we came, stopped it all and we started this thing called godverts which they're still running today the lady rang me the other day <laughs> 
which was before YouTube. I can't believe how innovative it was. Uh, we, sorry, there is no before YouTube. Before you YouTube, about? yeah. We were making 90-second videos mm. in year seven, year six, seven classes yeah. uh, that demonstrated a Bible verse yeah. over 10 weeks. It, it went off. We had 100% enrollment. Um, we did these things called... At the end, we made all these videos and we think, what do we do with them now? Because there was no YouTube yeah. and plus parental permission to put yes. them on YouTube. We did these red carpet nights um, where we invited the families to come and watch their videos. The kids came, not only did they came, they dressed up, because we called it red carpet. Yeah. They dressed up the second year, they were hiring suits and dresses. Um, I couldn't believe it. And here I am, I get to stand in front of all these parents and crowds saying, here's what this Bible verse means <laughs> and let's watch it. And they're yes. applauding us for it. Yeah. Um, and the lady who rang me, she said, oh, it's been getting so hard to do. Um, we miss you. Um, but I went to PNC, said, look, we're not going to be able to do this anymore. And she said there was horror across oh, really? the room because some of them said, my daughter's bought her dress. <laughs> um, and the school came back to us and said, we have, um, we get more parental engagement in this than anything else wow. the school does yeah. we love it and they yeah. would invite me in then to speak it we want you to come to the leadership yeah, yeah. day uh, all because i went to the community and asked the simple question what can we do to yeah. help yeah and we chased it down as a church yeah, you know yeah. we paid for a video camera and yeah. all sorts of things to make it happen so uh, and that's in a little congregation yeah. not much resources so it is that yeah who are you who's your community what can we do yeah. um and let the gospel bear on that. That's about as good a summary as I reckon I can think of to finish with. Paul, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. No worries, and no worries. Every blessing for the hub. I look forward to being there for on opening day. Yes, I'm uh, getting my list of who I've got to invite. June <laughs> Thanks, Paul. It'll probably be September. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. I'll put in the diary. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you very much. Thanks for having me.